Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. from the Canon and Espanation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am O'Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon and Josh Queeson. What's up, guys? Hey, Will. Hey, how's it going? It's going. It's going. It's uh, it's almost Tuesday. You know, PD, uh, last week when we were talking and we were like, ugh, it's Monday. But uh, it was a good day on this end. I can't complain. I, it's a short week for me. But anyway, so looking ahead to the NHL expansion draft this week. The Seattle Kraken will be able to pick from all the NHL teams, excluding the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll be able to pick one player from each club. I'm going to run through the list of players that the Blue Jackets are exposing for the draft. Those include the forwards, Max Domi, Kevin Stenland, Nathan Gerby, Zach Dalpy, Cliff Pooh, Cole Sherwood, Stefan Matteau, Calvin Turkoff, Ryan McInnes. The defensemen include Dean Kukin, Scott Harrington, Gabriel Carlson, Gavin Bayreuther, Michael Delzato, Adam Clendenning, and the goaltender Cam Johnson. PD, we were talking about this last week. We kind of thought Domi could be a trade deadline candidate not a guy that you would maybe want to expose, but now it seems like Domi, it seems like now it'd be kind of a surprise if Domi wasn't taken, right? Well, maybe. It was certainly a surprise that he got exposed. You know, we had we had covered stuff last week and thought that the sensible choice would be to include him among the protected, but apparently the team saw more value in protecting Eric Robinson uh, and they left back to Domi exposed. Uh, they think that, you know, his injury might dissuade Seattle from taking him. Now, some people nationally have felt like, but his upside is there, so it might be worth Seattle taking that risk. Go ahead and take him on. Now, at the same time, though, there's enough other big ticket players out there around the league that are exposed. So, you know, Seattle does have to watch the cap. So maybe they don't want to fit five million dollars of an injured player for two months so we'll see um i won't be surprised if he's picked i won't be surprised if he's not picked if seattle maybe sticks with 
who they were already envisioning to take from Columbus. Um, you know, I, I would certainly hope that prior to this, that Yarmo spoke to Ron Francis, the GM there, and, you know, picked his brain about who he was looking at. Cause you know, maybe he has his heart set on a defenseman and he's going to take Dean Kuka no matter what, you know, it's if, if Yarmo didn't do that, then it's a big risk. I think putting yeah. Domi out there, but if, uh, I hope that there was some kind of guarantees or indication that, you know, he could expose Domi and not actually risk losing him. Yeah, kind of like one of those backdoor type deals, right? Like in 2017 with Vegas, when it was like, all right, you're not going to take this guy, but you're going to take these guys. Right. Yeah. Although I, I get I, I don't. Yeah, I don't like the idea, though, of us having to s- send any additional assets to ensure that that happens. Again, because again, I feel like that's just overpaying to protect guys you could have protected otherwise, or you know, lose Eric Robinson and just suck it up and take it and and move on because he's just not that critical of a piece. But honestly, I mean, to me, Max Domi makes the most sense for them to take. Uh, I don't feel as bad seeing all the other big names out there that are available. Yeah, there's the five million <laughs> of cap, but maybe they'll uh, they'll pull Blue Jackets because they're going to have a pretty good team. It looks like. Uh, and then Max Domi will be their uh, their own deadline acquisition when he comes back and is healthy. Obviously, he won't be out that long. But, I mean, that's a big-name player that we paid a good price for to bring into our team, and then to lose him for nothing is a slap in the face, and it just it makes too much sense for them. The other name that I don't think anyone really had thought about too much, I mean, we forget about him most of the time, is Gabe Carlson. Um, I've read... I can't remember who who posted it today, but uh, a few GMs. That was one of the first names that popped up as a uh, a realistic possibility for the for the Kraken to pick up. And thinking about it, it it makes a lot of sense. He's still young, first round, great size. Um, he's pretty mobile. I mean, he looked good in the limited time that he played this year. Um, injuries have held him back a lot of the last few years, but uh, I do think it's going to be Domi. But if it keeps keeps it away from Stenland, which is my was my <laughs> biggest gripe going into it, then I mean it's it's a bitter pill to swallow, but the price to pay. So that quote that Yarmo had the other day, where it was, you know, whether or not he want is a part of our plans or he wants to resign, it that was kind of a red flag. I don't know a red flag for who, whether Max has already given indication that he's out after this year. I mean, I had that thought when he signed two years right off the bat. I was like, oh, cool, we're walking him directly to free agency. <laughs> um, so, I mean, maybe that's where we're at. But even if that's the case, it just seems like bad asset management. Yeah, I was going to say, Yarmo's quote was basically like, if he's gone, he's gone. And yeah, that's the name of the game. But it just kind of came off like, if we lose him, we lose him. But uh, yeah. according to Portsline and The Athletic, they did talk to Domi. So, because I know we were chatting about it and it, we were thinking or wondering you know have they even talked to him about this which it wouldn't have been surprising if they hadn't it, there's a lot of massaging that has to be done when you when a list like this is going to go public it's important that the team talk to the players that are exposed and you know kind of lay that out especially when it's a as high profile of a player as max domain again like one of the higher played players on the team someone who was brought in to play a big role yeah, I think they need to communicate, you know, maybe it is something like, hey, you're going to be exposed, but we've made a deal and we're not actually going to lose you. Or, um, you know, 
you're exposed, but we think due to the injury that Seattle is less likely to pick you. And, you know, we hope that you're still around and we still, you know, have hopes for you going forward. You know, massage it some way there just so you stay on good terms with the players and just, you don't, no need to burn that bridge in case he's not selected because it's just too awkward to have him around and like, oh, we didn't actually want you. Um, that's just that's just a bad look all around. So hopefully, hopefully Yarmo has done the right things. But again, uh, given the track record in recent years of players that um, don't have a lot of affection for the organization, I don't have a lot of confidence in Yarmo doing the right thing. Um, he he has not earned our confidence in that regard. So. Yeah, if Domi's not taken and he's in Columbus this season, I don't know that I would feel very confident in that he's going to resign unless he goes, oh, I love this, and he wants to come back. But yeah, with some of these names that have been exposed, like Carey Price, Vladimir Tarasenko, Gabriel Landeskog, I mean, there are big names that could be headed to Seattle, and that could be you know huge. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms of Carey Price... You know, similar to Domi, he has the contract, but also we found out that he's got some injuries or potential surgeries on the horizon. So maybe they're thinking, we'll we'll keep this guy and expose Price because they're not going to take him. Were you guys surprised? And I mean, I'm sure you were, but were you surprised by the amount of big names being exposed? And I know with Vladimir Tarasenko, it just came out recently that he's upset with the blues regarding his shoulder surgeries. And so, uh, you know, it sounded like he was requesting a trade anyways, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like Seattle potentially could be loaded. Yeah. The, the Tara thing was odd because, you know, yeah, the news came out that he was unhappy. He wanted out. And so you would expect St. Louis to explore a trade. It's weird that they would just expose him and risk losing him for nothing. You know, yeah. uh, and again, well, it's like the like the Domi thing. Are we going to lose Domi for nothing when we could have flipped him at the deadline for, for something? You know, that it, it's really odd asset management. And I mean, I guess it's somewhat comforting that Yarmo is not the only one making that mistake. But it's it's like an epidemic around the league of like a lot of very valuable players being put out there for Seattle. Um, I think in some cases it's GMs hoping that Seattle might take one of their bad contracts off the books or one of their overpaid players. Uh, the one that jumped out to me was that both Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson were exposed by Nashville. Like Nashville actually, ex- they protected five defensemen and only three forwards, which is just mind boggling to me that a team would do that. And, and that they saw their, their fifth defenseman as more valuable than their, you know, top two centers at the moment. That's bonkers. I did see though, with the Tarasenko, that there could be even a trade in the works where Seattle will select him and then Philly's interested in actually making a deal with Seattle. Mm. So, I mean, so it is possible that they can pick up some of these bigger name contracts and then flip them and you know pick up other assets that weren't available for them to select in the expansion draft. So, so there's a ton of stuff they can do. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. I'm act- I'm very looking for very much looking forward to the expansion yeah. draft. Uh, I've loved watching Vegas play since they've came into the league. Uh, very jealous of all their early success, <laughs> but it is fun. It's such a it's a new wrinkle. It's like getting to watch uh, NHL like GM mode, someone else playing it. Well, I'd say the, the last week was incredibly entertaining, just from an objective standpoint. All of the moves that got made, lots of players on the move from teams that were trying to you know 
shuffle things before they had to make their expansion list out there. And then, yeah, as you said, there's definitely going to be deals after the expansion draft because Seattle has to take 30 players, but obviously they have to cut that down by opening night. So, you know, Vegas, there are about four or five players that Vegas flipped right away after their draft guys like Mark Matheau or Trevor Van Riemsdyk. So yeah, I would certainly see Seattle doing that. Um, I would like to see uh, the Blue Jackets be part of that. Uh, Hopefully Yarmo is maybe cooking up a trade. Uh, Again, I'm not going to expect that because Yarmo kept hinting that, that, you know, oh, there's teams that have to make trades because of protection issues and the Jackets could take advantage of that. And there were a lot of trades like that made and the Jackets were not involved in any of them. So um, he's saying, same thing, oh, we can make a deal after the expansion draft. And again, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, but I'm not going to get my hopes up for that. But yeah, there's there's opportunity to be had there to ha- help get Seattle's help in picking a player from another roster. So and it's just, just a lot of big names trading locations like I did not expect Ryan Ellis to get moved from Nashville. Like that was, that was crazy. Um, and for them to swing that into a three-way trade with Nolan Patrick, then going to, to Vegas for Cody glass. And uh, then you had Minnesota buying out both Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Uh, you know, never, never thought you'd see that coming to an end like that. It's, uh, it's been just um, amazingly entertaining. Yeah. The Parise Suter thing is fascinating because the two guys were signed together and then they were bought out together. And then when the GM was trying to get either one on the phone, they were talking to each other <laughs> as they were being bought out together. So uh, those two are just kind of joined at the hip. But uh, yeah, it sounds like Nick Felino might be taking a deal with Minnesota to be with his brother Marcus, which we're not, you know, we're not surprised about that at all. Yeah. I am excited for the expansion draft and for Seattle. And I've never been to Seattle, but I've always wanted to check it out. I think it's going to be an awesome hockey market. Yeah. I like their logo. Their name is awesome. And I know it's tough as Jackets fans to see Vegas and now Seattle handed this luxury or whatever you want to call it. But maybe they do take Domi. Maybe it's someone else. It it reminds me of an observation I saw on Twitter over the weekend where someone pointed out that, you know, teams obviously. They have their own internal processes for how they value their own players and rank their own players. And it's rare then that we get a chance for them to have to put that out there publicly. (laughs) And so it's kind of revealing to see how teams are valuing their own players. Um, And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to see like, you know, the Islanders expose Jordan Eberle and Josh Bailey, but then protect Cal Clutterbuck. (laughs) Like, what the hell and this is you know it's like multiple time gm of the year and lou lamorello and it's like really that that's how you value those players it's, it's crazy and it's highly entertaining it is entertaining i want chaos i want Kerry price in seattle landis yeah. gog tarasenko all the big names out there if max domi goes out there i'll be rooting for him hardcore i'll be rooting for him in columbus or wherever he is but you know if sure. he does go out there and he plays really well you know coming off the surgery it would be like a nice redemption story for him. So, you know, I I can't wait to see how this unfolds. Right. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs who have big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. The NHL draft is this weekend starting Friday, and we've all been writing our pieces on the prospective prospects to go. And, you know, I I have had a lot of fun being able to read up and learn about a lot of these prospects because I'll be honest, I don't know any of these names. So it's been <laughs> fun to, to hear about the talent out there, you know, from sources at The Athletic or other publications. And so... You know, a lot of the guys that I have been writing about and learning about, I'm like, wow, this sounds like an awesome uh, prospect that could benefit a team like Columbus. So from what you've written or read or researched, are there certain guys that you think Columbus might gravitate towards? I know it's easy to say center or defense, but but are you thinking kind of positional need or a certain player or just best all around? I tried my best to not fall in love with every player that I wrote about. <laughs> yep. So they brought mine probably came off a little bit gushy. I'm like, oh, he'd be a great pick. At at five, I loved PD. I loved your pick of Eklund. I really hope mm-hmm. that he is on the board still. Um, just I've read so many things that saying he'll end up being the best player out of this draft. He's the most skilled. That's pretty much aside from you know the number one center, which who knows if we could get one there. But high-end skill is what this team has been missing for years. Um, so that number five can go a few different ways, but I do hope Eklund is there. The one player that I actually found myself really gravitating towards more than the other ones was the player I wrote about today, which is Simon Salmanen. Um, big 6-3 Finnish center. Um, can score goals. He's got a great shot, wrist shot, one-timer. Uh was a captain of the Finnish team this year at the under-18 World Juniors, wore a letter for his under-20 team. Skating is what will hold him back at the next level, but like I mentioned uh, in the article today, is that that's something that you can at least improve upon. A lot of the, a lot of what he has, you can't learn. Like, like Eric Robinson, we've been you know, talking about him. He's a great skater. He has no finish. If you're starting off yeah. with finishing ability – you can work on everything else that leads up to that. And just such a position of need. I would love to see uh, Salmon in, in probably our 32nd pick, assuming we keep it, uh, which is actually where Corey Pronman had him going in his latest mock. Um, but from what I've read, he's probably the one uh, 
when I'd love to fall into their laps. Yeah, that's I, I think you make a great point there about there are things that you can teach and there are things that are a lot harder to teach and get to an elite NHL level. So I, I'm definitely a best player available guy, regardless of position. Of course, we need center and defense, but mostly we just need as many elite prospects as we can get. Um, so that's why Eklund seemed like a super, super high upside guy, but still with a pretty high floor. So um, I would love if he if he fell to us. He might not, but uh, I think there's uh, if we stay at five, there's going to be a lot of good players there because it seems like there's about 10 players that people say like, oh, well, there's no way that he's still going to be on the board at five. Like, well, <laughs> there's only going to be four people that go above there. So somewhat we're going to get a good player. Uh, Mason McTavish is another one who is very intriguing at that spot, who is likely to be available at that spot. He's a very talented center. So that'd be a good one. But yeah, I'm looking for things like, yeah, guys that can shoot really well, guys that can skate really well. You know, I don't care if they're the biggest size. Um, I'm looking for guys that have high motor, the guys that are, say that are hard workers. You know, those are players that could be very coachable. Um, but yeah, there's I'm not too worried about uh, certain drawbacks on players. Like uh, another one I picked in the mock was Nikita Chibrikov. Um you know, there's some holes in his game, like defensively, but I thought, you know, you can teach that or you can deploy him in offensive roles and not have to worry about what he's doing on the defensive end. But he is super creative offensively and skates really well. And, you know, that we how many guys do we have on the team that are like that? You know, so just add talent and then figure out how to use it once you got it here, um, rather than having to coach up guys that are just okay you know so definitely giving me the high ceiling guys and we have enough picks that i'm willing to take some risks uh because not all nine players are going to become nhlers but if we get at least one or two elite guys out of it it's huge if we get one elite guy out of it that's great if we can get four nhlers out of the nine that's still hitting at a pretty good rate historically so uh yeah get the get the best talent that you can get um and you know in the later rounds sure go hard on centers and defense because those are the biggest gaps in the pipeline and you can never have too many centers and defensemen because you can always move centers to wing you can always trade guys if necessary to you know fill out your wings uh, and then i'd also like to see them take a goalie at some point not in the first round necessarily, although there's two pretty good goalies in the first round. But in the later rounds, pick a goalie or two because, you know, we've just called up enough goalies lately that we need to refill the pipeline for, you know, five years down the road. I was looking back at some of the guys I wrote about, like Matthew Coronado, who was with the Chicago Steel last year in the USHL. And he put up a tremendous amount of points with 48 goals. And I was thinking, OK, what's the talent level in this league? But the reports on him were very good, you know, makes plays, finds open ice. He's a playmaker. Corey Pronman, Scott Powers at The Athletic were talking about, you know, what he can do and, you know, making things happen. Uh, I wrote mm -hmm. about Brant Clark, a defenseman, and I'm thinking that they lose Seth Jones or Zach Lorensky or yep. whoever in a couple of years. He could be, like, their next big defenseman. But I am hoping that they can get some elite talent in this draft because Lord knows they need it. <laughs> uh, are you guys expecting anything big to go down at the draft? There's always some kind of big NHL activity, and I know Seth Jones is looming right there. Uh, I guess expect the unexpected. Yeah, I no longer expect Jones to get traded this weekend 
just based on the reporting out there that things are moving slowly on the Jones trade talk front. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it sounds like Yarmo is looking for prospects more than he is draft picks, in which case there's no need to trade Jones this weekend. If you're not getting a pick in this draft, then it can wait. Um, due to the fact that we'll get a better return if he signs long term, um, you know, him signing a contract can't actually happen until after the 28th. So, you know, if the trade needs to happen sort of after the free agency period starts, you know, that's fine. Uh, I'm not in a rush to trade him. I just let, get the best deal possible. And if it requires getting through some things for teams to figure out where they're at, um, that's not the worst thing. Uh, I do think, though, I don't want to see them hold on to him until the deadline because we've seen what happens when you have a player that comes into the season with one foot out the door. It's just really bad for the locker room. So, you know, we saw a couple of years ago that Ottawa traded Eric Carlson in, I think, like September or something like that. So I could see Jones getting moved like right before the season. That could happen and that'd be fine. Just don't go into training camp with, with him still on the roster. Don't go into the season with him still on the roster. But I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. I mean, it might. It won't surprise me, but I'm just not expecting that because I think a few more things have to shake out around the league before teams are ready to make the deal and before Yarmo is ready to really start negotiating. I think he has a price in mind, and he's not eager to budge from it. Um, and that seems to generally be his approach to trades. And in his defense, I think more often than not, it's worked. He has generally gotten, I think there's been a lot of trades where he has gotten more in return than we thought he would. So I, I think that just supports his approach that he's going to wait till he gets something really good. He's not going to trade Jones for pennies on the dollar, not going to trade him by this weekend because of some false deadline. Oh, well, you got to trade him now. Like, no, he's going to trade him when he feels that the price is right. Yeah, I agree. I pretty much with everything you said, got to trade him. Don't take it into the season. As we get closer to camp, our team's going to get more desperate and up their offers. Right now, like Chicago's the name that's been popping up. And for Yarmo, which I don't blame him, he probably want, he wants a centerpiece, which Kirby Doc, Alex Dabrinkit, and recently it came out that they are considered untouchable. But from there, I mean, if they don't want their 11th pick this year, what else do they have to offer? They have Lucas Reichel, which is, you know, he's a solid prospect. But from there, I know they have some young defensemen, but is there is there really anyone that can project to be that top-pairing D-man? Um, Bockvist is the other example, which the potential is there. He needs, needs more time. Uh, but again, mm-hmm. that's another one, which they'd have to give him up, I would assume. But I think he's still he's going to hold out for that that yeah. home run return. The uh, the Duchesne trade from Colorado was the prime example of that. Where it just I mean that one dragged on way longer than it should have. Yeah. But it was a steal what it all turned out to be. And, and look at Duchesne now. So I mean patience if it pays off it's worth it. But I agree just don't let it run into this season. The fans don't deserve that either. Yeah, looking back at Duchesne, I really wanted Columbus to keep him, so I guess it kind of worked out that it worked out the way it did. 
But maybe in that alternative universe, maybe he'd be playing well for them. But anyway, <laughs> David Pagnata of the fourth period mentioned today that the Blue Jackets are still gauging the market on Seth Jones and Jonas Corposalo, also gauging interest in Patrick Laine. And, you know, first off, that's just any good GM. Of course, they're going to listen and see what's out there. But uh, as far as Laine, you know, it sounds like he wants to continue in Columbus. He's saying all the right things, at least. And I know we've heard this a million times, but... Do you think that there's any chance that the Blue Jackets would trade Line A? Because, uh, you know, they know what they gave up to get him and what they, you know, what they would value for him. I, I don't see Line A getting traded. I think they have to listen for offers. If some team's going to make a big offer for him, they'll take it. But I'd be very surprised if he gets moved. I think, you know, his value is at his lowest right now. Um, you know, and they still, they still have to assign him to his new contract, too. I don't know if they would trade him you know, just with his qualifying offer or, um, so yeah, you know, get him signed on a, like a, a one year show me deal and let's see what he can do under the new coaching staff. I think he's due for a bounce back year. It sounds like line A is very motivated to play better, which of course he is, you know, and you know, if he, if he has a great year and doesn't want to stick around, they can trade him and get a much better return than they could get now. Or, he likes it here and wants to stick around. And then he becomes a core piece that you can build around as part of this rebuild. And line is a big score. So, I mean, if he comes back and plays to his, his level, I mean, it's, that's an exciting piece. And, you know, the Jackets have some offense. They have some guys we've talked about this. So, you know, it's, it would be huge for line a to come back and score 30 goals in a season. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, do you have another draft observation there? I mean, he's another player that I wrote about that I fell for. But uh, Chaz Lucius is another one that really uh, piqued my interest. He was hurt pretty much all of last year. And from all accounts, he uh, he would definitely be in consideration near the top of the draft had he not been injured. Goal scorer. But the thing that stands out to me is that, I mean, he had one coach in, I think it was a whole athletic article devoted to him. And compared him to like the Tom Brady of 17 year olds where his just worth ethic is unreal. Um, just one of those 24 seven hockey guys who live and breathe the sport. Um, and that's another thing that you're, you can't teach if someone is, you know, that in love with the game, it's going to show. And he just seems like someone who has huge potential has flown under the radar for the most part being COVID year and injuries, but he seems to mostly fall just outside of like the top 10 he's hovering around there but also he definitely would not be there when the jackets get back on the board at the end of the round so i mean they'd have to get creative in if they wanted to get him aside from reaching at five yeah but you know there's sometimes there's guys that that are projected to go in the teens but they fall into the 20s for whatever reason and and that's a at 24 that is a great chance for us to get a really good value pick you know, a guy with like with like fringe top ten talent who falls for whatever reason, whether there's injury concerns or whether it's just that there's a run on another position that's not his. You know, uh, I mean, I remember last year, you know, we previewed a a limited group of players, just ones that we thought would go at what twenty one, I think is where we were picking, and some of the guys on there were ones that were more likely to go, you know, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, but some of those guys ended up going several picks after our pick. So, you know, guys that I thought were going to go before our pick. So I think we're going to see the same thing happen this year where some of these guys in the teens will 
will still be around uh, when it when it's our time. And I just love the idea of getting yeah. a value steal with those late first round picks. Yeah, I, and I, I don't I don't want to see us trade up in the first round. I don't think that's going to be worth it. I think it's it's there's not a ton of like elite like no doubt players, but there's a lot of guys with with upside, a lot of intriguing prospects. I think it's a pretty deep class, even if it's not yeah. high end depth. Um, so I think we're going to get some really really exciting value there at the end of the first round. And if and if there's and we might have a chance to even trade down a little bit. So trade back from 24 to like 28 and pick up some additional picks this year or next year. You know, that that's another great way of making the most value out of the picks you have. Yeah. The other thing, but the other thing that I've been reading, Mm -hmm. which has, I mean, for probably all the wrong reasons, but has kind of made me feel a little bit better about the direction, at least in terms of where our goaltending stands uh, at pretty much most of the what I've read recently has included Corpusalo's name rather yeah. than Elvis. Uh, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with the tragedy that you know just happened, and you know it would be a bad look to trade Elvis now. But even that aside, though, I hope that they're making the right pick just for the talent level of the goalies and the fans. Like, I, I can't remember when a player has endeared himself to a fan base like. Elvis does like everyone not to make a pun, but just can't help falling in love with Elvis. Uh, <laughs> I'm guilty of it myself. And that, that would have been the most devastating move of the summer. In my opinion. I don't know if you guys saw this. It just came out by Mark Scheig, but he just tweeted that the names that he keeps hearing from the blue jackets have consistently been Simon Edmondson and Mason McTavish. So mm-hmm. nothing official of course, but those are the names that he keeps hearing. So, yeah. So, so Evanson is a defenseman, um, and I'd rather take a forward at number five because I feel like the upside is better with the forwards that are around there. But um, the comparison that people keep coming up, probably because he's big and Swedish, but you know, Edmondson could be the next Victor Hedman, um, which. Uh, that would not be the worst thing to get if we get the next Victor Hedman. Um, but then I want to get some. I'd, I'd like to get some good offensive players then with the other picks in the round. But then Mason McTavish is a center, so it's looking like we're going to get center or defenseman at that spot, which would be which would be really great. But yeah, Josh, I, I agree with you that um, Elvis definitely has endeared himself. Um, already he'd done it on the ice, but I think off the ice, uh, he really feels like a member of the community at this point. Um, and yeah, it, it would be. It would really improve the summer, I think, if uh, if they even signed him to an extension. You know, he'd be eligible for an extension after the twenty eighth. Um, that would be nice to see. I think that would make people feel better about things long term. If uh, we knew that he was going to be around for for a few years, uh, that'd be great. Um, I had one one other final thought. Just a quick shout out to uh, Luke Prokop, who's a prospect with the Nashville Predators organization. Uh, he became the first player on an NHL contract to come out as gay. And um, it's cool. It seems like there's been, I've seen mostly positive reactions to it, which I think is a good sign. You know, and at some point, this is not going to be news. You know, this will just be kind of a common thing. But it's I props to him for having the courage to come out and do that. Hopefully this is encouraging to, um, you know, other LGBT players that are doing hockey and can see that, you know, 
this doesn't need to be a limit to their dream or they don't have to hide part of who they are to play the sport that they love. You know, uh, the NHL has been saying for years that hockey's for everyone and, but they still need to take steps to prove that. And, and this is a step in that direction. So, uh, you know, credit to him. And, uh, that's a nice, nice bit of happy news in, in the NHL today. No, I was actually going to bring that up too. So I'm glad, glad you did PD. Well, we've hit the end of the road on this day, but we'll be back next week. Be sure to check us out at CBJ Cannon on Twitter and Facebook. Lots of content to crank out as the expansion draft, the NHL draft, come up this week and into this weekend. So be sure to check us out there and as always we'll see you next week for another episode of the canning cast subscribe to the canon cast on itunes spotify google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode leave us a review and a rating and as always we welcome your thoughts and feedback go to jacketscanon.com for more blue jackets coverage from us and follow us on twitter at cbj cannon our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates.